welcome back to this edition of the Basic Bible Podcast. Joining me here and throughout all of this series on misapplied Bible verses is my friend, colleague, the founder and president, CEO of the Janesville Community Center, the blogger, pastor, teacher, the man who does it all, Ray Jewell. Oh, you got to stop that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great to be back, Kevin. I, you know, I'm really enjoying this series mm. on the misapplied scriptures because... You, know, you love misapplying scriptures. Well, you know, we are just at the tip of the iceberg with yes. what we're covering. There's a, a lot more out there. But these uh, seem to be the ones that are most often misapplied. And yes. we're using what sources are... This is uh, from the book, The Most Misused Verses in the Bible... Surprising ways God's word is misunderstood by Eric Bergerhoff. Bargerhoff, excuse me. Bargerhoff. Yep. We have to have him on the podcast just so he can say his name. So we can say it properly from <laughs> yes. here on out, yes. All right, we've gone through quite a bit already. In fact, we're on, um, I forget what number we're at, but um, we are at Exodus 21, 23 through 25. So I'll read that Exodus 21, 23 through 25. But if there is harm, no, wait, I'm on verse 23. I am on verse 23. Okay, just kidding. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wood, uh, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. So that's pretty rough. Um, how do you think people misuse this verse? Well, um... I'd say people use it in their rhetoric all the time. And I think that they use it uh, to go out and uh, wreak personal revenge. Yes. And I think that the context of Hughes here is within the community of, uh, of God, the people of God. This is probably setting up some rules for um, going through the proper channels going through yeah. the court system so this is not a mandate that if you do something to me then i have the right on my own as an individual to do it right back to you right I, I, this is I, the way that i understand this this is the way that god is setting it up for his justice to be served right. not me specifically it may or may not um bring about justice for me yeah but this is God's way of handling it. And elsewhere in Scripture, it does say that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Right. In fact, we're going to get to that here in a second. So that's, that's, that really has to be the overarching idea as we look at these, this yeah. verse about uh, retribution. And again, we've got to take this in context. Mm -hmm. Because this is um, Moses, or God giving Moses. In fact, we just saw Ten Commandments in chapter 20. But he's giving the people of Israel basically a, the foundations of a civil government. Right. He's telling them, this is how you are going to operate. You're going to be different than all the other nations. And You're going to have some justice, and that's going to be equal justice. Right. And the other thing is they're, they're coming out of a context where they saw retribution, right. swift retribution, wreaked on them yeah. by their Egyptian captives, or captors, I mean. And... You know, so God's way 
is diametrically opposed right. to the way the Egyptians did it. You look at, you know, how many times have I heard that the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, just a rip off of the Code of Hammurabi and other things? Where here we see a distinct difference. Where in, in Hammurabi's Code, it's literally you, you steal something, you chop off your hand. Yeah. Let's, but God's saying here, no, the the punishment has to meet the crime. Right. Yeah. So it's not just a matter of if you punch me, then I have the right to punch you right back. Right. That's not what's in fact. Um, Jesus clarifies this for us on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, well, the interesting, there's a couple of things there. The interesting thing that jumps out at me is when Jesus says, you have heard it said. He's not talking about the Old Testament there. He's talking about the interpretation of the Old Testament mm, that, yeah, yeah. that the rabbis had come right. up with. And that was all over the and map. That's important because he's not saying the Old Testament was wrong. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's, my, that's part of my point. That, that you know, Jesus is saying there's a better way of doing this. There's the, the, the grace-filled way of, of doing this. Paul talks about you know, heaping coals on people's heads. Yeah. Not literally, but by turning the other cheek, right. by by reacting completely different than what is expected, yeah. we turn people on their ear, and they are like, "What's what's with this person yeah. that is not ready to kill me after all I've done right. to him?" Yeah, and so this is not a personal command that gives you the right to ex- extract vengeance on some festival. In fact. Ray, you alluded to it earlier, but I believe it's here in Romans chapter 12, if I'm thinking correctly, because of all the show prep we did for this, my mind's a little foggy. In fact, here it is. Okay. Um, let's start in verse 18. So Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's exactly that that faith or grace based approach you were mm-hmm. just talking about. Mm-hmm. And then again, that's a clear message in. In Scripture, it's in the Old Testament, but it's much more clearly presented in the New Testament. Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies, to do good to those who persecute you. I mean, we're not saying this is an easy thing. No, no. In fact, I don't think we can do it without the Spirit of God living Absolutely in us. Absolutely not. No, not and uh, that's um, you know. So, if we are about becoming more Christ-like, this is the path that we're called to take. And keeping in mind that this world is not the final destination. Yeah. You know, what happens, you know, Peter talks about short momentary problems compared to the hope of glory. Uh, yeah. this, is all, this is all in that. Yeah. And so to think that God is giving me the right to punch out somebody yeah. because they punched out me is wrong. It's not the Absolutely. way it's not the way it's supposed to be. Right. We are to show love 
acceptance, grace, um, you know, just doing things counterculturally. Absolutely. And cultural uh, and counterintuitively. Yes. Because I think we, we had not, have a natural desire to seek revenge. And, mm-hmm. and, and the entirety of Scripture says, no, that's not up to you. You leave that to the Lord. He'll take care of it. You be graceful. Because mm-hmm. imagine how off, how bad off we'd be if God took that approach with us. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that would be frightening, wouldn't it? All right, so let's go. Let's move on to our next verse here. Okay. Um, in James chapter five, and I'll, I'll start reading here in verse thirteen. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. So, in verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Well... You got a cough? You have cancer? <laughs> yeah. Pray. Yeah. And if your if you if your prayers have enough faith, then you'll be healed. And then the converse of that is true. If your prayers don't have enough faith, then hey, you yeah. brought it on yourself. That's that's on you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <laughs> I I I know we always go back here, but that that's probably one of the main tenets of uh, the prosperity gospel yeah. teacher people is I don't even want to call them preachers is this thing that it, you only have to have enough faith and you'll be healed right. and you know, some of the cults have caught on to that the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in blood transfusions well I think the Bible allows for us to use any and every possible way within reason obviously we don't want to be praying to demons to get healed or anything. But, you know, like I'm talking about medical professional people who God has given the gift of healing to, to help us be healed. But to to think that all I got to do is pray and believe that God's going to heal me, it doesn't, it's not going to happen always that way. But that's what it sounds like in this verse, though. Well, I understand that. So how, how, how do we interpret that? Um... Yeah. Jeopardy theme music is playing right now. What is? The Jeopardy theme Oh, song. yeah. Well, I, I, I always watched Jeopardy when <laughs> I was a kid, so I'm used to that music. Um, I think it's more about, you know, because there's, there's a, certainly a connection here with sin. Yes. And forgiveness. Right. And to, Context to, is key. To be spiritually healthy is more important than being physically healthy. Well, I think this is getting it, and, and, and I could be wrong here. Um, but taken in context, as you said, the issue, I think, seems to be sin. and Because it's connected to, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins. The context, to me, seems to indicate that this sickness... Is due to a sin. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a mistake to assume all sickness 
is because of a particular sin right. or a particular sin that you have committed. Especially, well, I mean, that comes through loud and clear in the story of Job. Right. Yeah. But, and then it's also, you go a little bit further back in chapter 5, and it connects with the, somewhat with the uh, passage we dealt with just before this one about having patience and suffering. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and again, in fact, it talks about Job's perseverance and and your yes be yes and your no be no. And then, then it goes into this prayer of faith. Um, you know, if it, is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy, let them sing songs of praise. If you're sick, call the elders, get anointed. I, I think it's, again, you're, you're making the connection with sin there. And I think that that... That is definitely a part of the the necessity here. Well, we look at verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So there we seem to have a connection between sin and death, sin and sickness, mm-hmm. where I would assume from this context that... There is a sickness because of a sin, and if that sin is being dealt with, perhaps that physical problem will be dealt with. But as you said, throughout Scripture, that's not always the case. We don't always see sick people being, for example, uh, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, first, Second Corinthians twelve, I believe it is, has a problem with a uh, thorn in the flesh mm-hmm. that he prays for. But it's not taken away. Mm-hmm. Because God says, I have a plan for this. Right. So Paul didn't have that because of a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not that we're told. And, and, and God says, I'm not going to take this away from you. I want you to go through this. Right. And I think it, it, God's view, again, we, looking at things from God's perspective as opposed to ours. I mean, for us, physical pain is not something we really want to deal with. Right. Though often we do things that bring about that physical pain. Yeah. But God is dealing with the whole person and the whole person's health. And it's much more important that we are healthy spiritually in our relationship with God and staying humble. I think that was the purpose of Paul's thorn in the flesh was to keep him humble. Right. I mean, I've read enough of Paul to know that if he didn't have something like that, he'd probably be pretty proud. Yeah. Because he did a lot of things that Mr. I wrote people, 14 books of the New Testament. Oh, you know, exactly. Uh, but we, we, we tend to try to compartmentalize people. You know, I've got my health, I've got my sanity or insanity, or I've got, you know, my social life, I've got this and that, and we put them all in these different compartments. God made us as whole beings, yes. including the spiritual aspect of it. And if we're healthy spiritually, um, we're not as apt to uh, have issues with the physical ailments. Now, I'm not saying that I just accept my physical ailment, like you know the cancer or, or whatever. And you know, there's some people who who want to pray through their cancer, and you know. Uh, and they put up a good fight and all that. I mean, there are things that we can do. There are natural things. There are things that we can do preventatively that I, I think would be God's way. I mean, God made 
food for us to eat, and we, as the American diet, eat stuff that's not so good for us a lot of the time. And Are you talking about me? I'm talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, to then to to live a lifestyle that brings on illness, and then all of a sudden to start praying that God's going to take care of that after we've lived a whole life of incorrect you know, habits, I, I struggle with that yeah. thought too. I, well, we both struggle with that. You know, the, the, the concept of faith, praying in faith that I'm going to be healed because this is something I brought on myself, that's eh, probably not the way it works. <laughs> All right, let's, let's squeeze in one more of okay. these here. And I'm in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to sit here, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, so I'm going to read. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the idea being, uh, repent and be baptized. That's assuming that baptism is a necessity for salvation. This one's not an easy one for me. Because you know, this is like, if there is a rallying cry verse in the Bible for my uh, church tradition, this is it. Acts, the book of Acts is huge for the restoration movement, uh, fathers and principles. Um, I think, you know, just because somebody gets wet doesn't mean that they are right. automatically a part of the thing because, you know, it's it's repentance, you know, turning away from the way I lived, turning towards God, having faith in Jesus. I I will not go to the point that a lot of people say that, you know, baptism is an outward side of an inward thing. I don't agree with that so much. I do think that baptism by immersion is is a necessary step to take. But it's one of the steps towards accepting Jesus. It's not the only thing that you need to do. You know, you have to have, to hear the word, you have to be convicted of your sin. You need to repent. You need to be immersed. Then you need to continue to walk in the way that Jesus would have you walk. Well, see, I would connect those two together as being a good Baptist. Uh -huh. I think you both, I, I think you and I would both agree that baptism is not a necessity for salvation. You can go to heaven without being baptized or, or water baptized. Mm -hmm. um, but I would look at this as, okay, there's a, there's a call to repentance mm -hmm. that I believe is salvation. And baptism would be the living out of that, the symbol. Um, I would probably have less of a problem as, as you with the, with the idea of this is an outward symbol of an inward mm -hmm. thing. But I, I look at it as, as a next step mm -hmm. along the lines of discipleship, along the lines of following after the footsteps of Jesus. Yeah. And so, in Romans 6, Paul talks about baptism as being... Uh, sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of right. Jesus. So it is something more than just a symbolic act. It is a, is a public confession yes. that I am going to follow Jesus. Right. And I would make, uh, and I would even borrow from some other theological traditions and call it a means of grace. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I do believe that certainly people can be saved and go on their way to heaven without being baptized. But... It's the normal thing for a Christian to do. A follower of Christ should follow the Lord through the waters of baptism. Right. And I, I think that 
another. And as you said, well, let me. Uh, I'm going to interrupt you. That's what, sorry. You it's my that. podcast. You, I paid. You do me, it all the time. Let, yeah, let, you, let me you, do my, my, you my, my Reagan. Let me, let me put my Ronald Reagan. I paid for this microphone. <laughs> um, actually, technically, Rock County Christian School paid for this because of a nice bonus they gave. Me. Ah, okay. Anyway, but it was still given to me. So anyway, back up. Um, Rock County Christian School does not uh, actually. Um, uh, pay for the podcast. Pay for the podcast. Though they should. They well, should, they should yeah. air a commercial on it. So anyway. Uh, man, what am I talking about? I don't know. Oh, Baptism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baptism, I think, we, we can't deny there's a link to salvation. Mm-hmm. As you just said, it is a picture of what Christ did. Mm-hmm. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why I believe by baptism, by immersion, and not uh, infant baptism. Sorry, my Presbyterian friends. But um, there is certainly a link in an association with salvation that can't be denied. And that's why I can see why some people would take that step and say it's necessary for salvation. I can't go there. I don't believe that's right or biblical. I believe that's adding on a work to salvation. That's, that's, not, that's not right. But there certainly is a link to salvation that we can't deny. And that's why I believe every believer should be baptized by mm-hmm. immersion mm-hmm. because it is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of Jesus, what he did for us. And we are... In that picture, identifying with Jesus. Right. The other, the other issue that has come up in uh, several Restoration Movement churches and other churches that follow this, um, especially if they stress this being a huge part of salvation, is they forget the rest of it. You know, we dunk them; they're saved. We're done. Yeah, and we let them, yeah. we let them go do whatever they want to do. Oh, and that's a problem. That's a problem in the in the group that I grew up with with independent yeah. fundamental Baptists. Yeah, and the thing is, when yeah, they, you learn how. Can I, can I say this? It's yeah. just a really quick title of a book written by Curtis Hudson, sort of Lord editor. How you, get, you learn? You got to learn how to wet them, wet them, and walk them down the aisle. Ah, well, there you go. That's all you need. And the, the but that goes completely in the face of the Great Commission. Right, talks about baptizing but it also talks about teaching them to observe yeah. all that I've commanded you right and and that that you know the great commission if you misuse that yeah. it, it becomes all about baptism yeah. and but if you look at it completely it becomes all about discipleship right and converting you know conversion is just the initial step yeah and if if baptism is the culmination of the conversion experience and there's nothing else done, you know, to bring about discipleship, then it's wrong. It's, yes, it's, it's gone away from the biblical purpose of that whole process. You know, let's, that let's, we live that's in. really what you, what you said there is a huge, huge, big, important deal. Um, teaching them to, to obey all things I've commanded you. These, all, all things. Mm hmm. They, these guys have been with Jesus for at least three years. Right, right. And that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. How am I going to condense the, you know, um, all of the teachings of Jesus to a three-minute walk him down the aisle type thing? Right. Um, no. Uh, we're baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. That takes a lot of time and effort. What he's saying is, these people that you are leading to me, you are going to invest your life into them just as I invested my life into you. Exactly. In fact, we cannot ever think 
that we have arrived as Christians. Yeah. If we're in danger, we are in big trouble if we think somehow we've arrived in this life right. to the kind of maturity that is exhibited by Jesus. There's no way. Even when his statement that says, well, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age, that still doesn't mean that we can just, okay, I've done everything I need to do in this life for Jesus. I don't have to go talk to anybody else. Yeah. I don't have to yeah. associate with anybody else. I'm good to go. No, that is just completely anti-biblical to think that way. Yeah, that's, that's really good because, yeah, th that does imply a lifetime commitment. Right, yeah. All right, so we're not talking about, hey, just uh, repent, be baptized, be saved, we're done. No, certainly no, not. Not at all. All right, well, we're going to end here for this episode. I think, we're gonna, I think we can get, there's three, ver three more verses left. Uh -huh. I think we can get that in one more episode. So we're going to wrap this up. And uh, I think we're on, this is, I think it's episode six. If it's not, I'm going to edit this part out. Um, and, you want to do all that research to figure that yeah. out, huh? <laughs> and um, it's interesting because at the, at the beginning I said, hey, Ray, uh, here are these verses. Let's just spend a podcast and talk about this. <laughs> How foolish. How foolish I was. How naive did I think that we would cover. You were, you were going for the instant gratification of yeah. getting that list done in one 30-minute session. No way, no way, no way. All right, but if you're looking for more information about all of these, a little more in-depth look, the book we're talking about, the most misused verses in the Bible, Surprising Ways, God's Words, uh, God's Word is Misunderstood. That's by Eric uh, Bargerhuff, and that's published by the fine folks at Bethany House Publishers. So go look that up. We'll share the link with you on Amazon. Don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Or check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Basic Bible Cast. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.